With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the weekend of the show this week as John Gibbons hosted as Neil Atkinson is on his way to a wedding for the first game of the season. Absolutely hilarious stuff. Um, so again, it is John Gibbons hosting and I am joined by Paula Murphy by Chris McGuire. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, nice to back. see you. I know, it's good. Like Great Alana. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> James Pierce. I don't know which uh, big part of Liverpool player you want to be today. Um, and Paul Hogan. Definitely Joe Matter. Cheers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, do, we mentioned there Adam Lallana. It seems a, a good enough place to start in that Liverpool haven't bought anyone uh, the window has slammed shut he's talking up these kind of fringe players as, as the ones who he expects more from um, next season so not just Lalana as this new number six uh, yeah. we're hearing but also Naby Keita Chamberlain and obviously Brewster as well are you sort of buying that really or, or do you think it's a it's it's a case of kind of you know trying to talk up a situation I think I think the, the, the squad harmony that we that we encompassed last season, which got us to the final of the European Cup, is, is a maximum fa- ma- ma- maximum fa- factor in this yeah. particular sort of decision, if you like. Um, you know, we, we had a good a good thirteen or fourteen, maybe fifteen last year. Um, I think this year I'm, I'm more looking forward to seeing Naby Keita than, than Adam Lallana. I think we know what Adam Lallana can do. Uh, he had a good game last year against against them. Um, Burnley was it? Burnley, yeah. He was man of the match, wasn't he, against Burnley? And that was really surprising. Obviously, he trains well and he, and he played well. Um, I'm a bit, a bit worried about Oxlade Chamberlain. I'm not sure how, how much he can add to the side with, with the injuries that he's had. You know, and if you look through his, his, his actual career, unfortunately, it's been littered with injuries. You know, I'd like to have seen us bring another midfielder in. But if, but if Klopp's got faith in Naby Keita, um, then I think he's the player that that we should really be looking to score goals from midfield, drive from midfield, eventually place, replace Coutinho, you know, because I've, I've been, I've been an advocate for trying to bring Coutinho back, you know, as, as, as much as people can say, well, he left on bad terms and he, you know, we, we all should like, you know, don't give him a second chance, a bit like you know, Raheem Sterling, you'd have Sterling back, wouldn't you, you know, if you had the chance to, mm-hmm. if the money was right, that kind of world-class players. Obviously the Coutinho thing hasn't worked out for whatever reason, probably because Klopp, doesn't want to stick his neck on the line and bring him back, and then if it goes wrong, you know you've got you've got that to answer for as well, you know. And, and we did well enough last season. In terms of the squad depth, you know, you think we can get another ninety-five points, ninety-four points, whatever. You think Man City probably won't focus on getting them many points? They've lost Vincent Company, Aguero's a year older. You know, Sterling's going to improve. That's no that's no danger. He's going to be a world-class player for them this year. You know, he's getting better and better every year. But the the sort of legends, if you like, are getting a year older. So I'm sure I'm not sure whether Man City are going to do what they did last year. So hoping you know with a with a with a fair wind and with no injuries, we could possibly do what we did last year. 
James, um, Chris mentions Naby Keita there. He he came up in the press conference today, didn't he, when Jurgen Klopp was talking about yeah. Naby as he, he kind of singled him out, if you like, as, as, as someone who he's expecting a big impact from this season. He said he's he's like a new player. Are you, are you sensing that he that he's a lot more settled than he was this time last year, and that and that the manager from from your sort of dealings with him just just feels like he's he's got more of a player than he had last season? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think he. He feels like we didn't really come close to seeing the real Naby Keita in his first season at Liverpool. I think we saw we saw flashes of it, didn't we? I mean, he, you know, he rewind almost exactly a year, and it felt like he was getting off to a flyer against West Ham. But he didn't, for whatever reason, he wasn't able to really build on that. He had a few fitness issues. Um, of course, he got stretched off in the away at, at Napoli in the Champions League, and it, it just seemed to be a really stop-start year for him. And I, I think he struggled a little bit to adapt to the physicality of English football as well. Um, but you know, towards the back end of the season, before obviously he was kind of cruelly uh, sidelined by that injury he suffered over in Barcelona, he was you, you felt as if he was really starting to show what he could do, and you know justifying the the faith that Klopp had shown in him. So um, yeah, I, I'm expecting big things from him this season. I know you know because of the lack of new signings, there's been such a big focus on who can Klopp get more out of that was here last season, and we didn't see that much of and. I'd have Cater at the absolute top of that list. I think, you know, certainly more than, say, you know, Lalana and obviously Joe Gomez missed a big chunk of the season as well. Of course, Oxley Chamberlain. But yeah, it, it feels like, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to, to watching him play because um, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, you think about the buzz that surrounded when we when Liverpool did sign him and the outlay. Um, it feels like now that the stage is set for him to really show us what he's all about. Um, it is no new signings, though, Paula. From a, so on a scale of not arsed to fuming, um, <laughs> where, where, where are you on the uh, on the no signing scale? Because we've seen the full range on that subscribers group, haven't we? <laughs> we have seen the full range. <laughs> it's really funny. I, I I was just reflecting on this while James was talking. I did a gutter it's best about. Not to listen to him. Just be alone. Well, no, your own she, she'd done a shopping you know, list. <laughs> no, I was thinking. I was on a gutter about four weeks ago. Rob was actually here, and um, I was thinking it doesn't feel comfortable not buying anybody. But but I'm not sure whether that means it's not right. Do you know what I mean? It's like a, an overcoat that is scratching me. It feels like I want to take it off. But I'm not sure that I'm not going to be without the benefit of it. And it, I wonder if this is all part of the, the movement of the club forward in that we're being retrained as fans. We're being retrained to rethink about the correct things and trust our managers and, and know that the science behind these decisions is all there. I, I believe, I mean, this is my the sports science side is, is my real interest. I don't think we could have any more support off the field than we've got in terms of the scientific backup. So if with all that information, those at the top have decided that we don't need anybody, then I've got no option, I believe, but to trust in them, which is all well and good, except if Salah gets injured in October and then we rethink. So it's a difficult one, um, I think. I'm not fuming, but it mm, doesn't feel comfortable. Oh, good. Is it, it? It's a question of young players as well, and and how much faith you put in them, really. And we've got a, you know, we're, we're, we're funny in this country, really, where we talk about giving you for chance, but it's always next year, and it's always like you know you want to see young players given a go, but but you also you know want to buy lads as well, and it's 
you know, you see players going to Germany just because they're given more of a chance. And, and Jordan Sancho is now one who's who's close to the, the lips of a lot of Liverpool fans of, of players we've bought. Well, we'll Dortmund threw him in the team at 17. And if we're not prepared to do the same with Vian Brewster, then he's going to go somewhere else. I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it? You know, there's some lads there who we didn't get to see and use last season. And if we were actually signing them this summer as, as new players, we'd all be made up. But actually, these lads were already in the squad, just that we never got a chance to use them. So I think... The whole psychology of it is this idea of having something new and shiny is is an interesting thing in itself. And then I think the nature of young players and when you use them is... I mean, we've had loads of lads come through the system in the past and yet there probably is a lot of lads who, who maybe weren't good enough to make the grade. But I also think there's something in the timing of these lads given being given an opportunity. Some of these lads given an opportunity may have been able to step on because so much of football is based on confidence and the timing of these things and I think Liverpool potentially now have got a group of lads there who it's now or never for and, and maybe giving them that opportunity now is great and the other side of this is if we want to build this squad over the next five to ten years then we've got to give these lads a chance otherwise the next ones aren't going to sign for us anyway are they? You know, we've managed to bring in Harvey Elliott who brought the Dutch centre-half whose name I'm not even going to try and say Van der Beek or something well um, <laughs> <laughs> it was close wasn't it um, but like, we've got to start showing that these lads have got a, a, a sort of a, a pathway to the first team because otherwise we're not going to get these again so I, I think I think there's a bit of two things here one is the whole educating the fans on, on the new sort of Model of way we use players and how we how we use the transfer market. Two is around loan the loan system and how we use that because I think we use that a lot better than we've ever used it before. And three is about creating spaces in the squad for for these young lads to be given the chance. And I, I can see all of them three things sort of coming together this season. Hopefully, yeah. Obviously, Chris, the thing these young players have all got their eye on is the Golden Samba for Young Player of the Year, <laughs> yeah. um, which 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 is, I mean, yeah. someone like Ian Brewster, it'd be lovely for for one of the kids to present it to him, yeah. kind of next season at the side of the cop, isn't it? Because it's you know he, he's been hyped so much. We've we've missed out, I feel like, on a year of, of kind of watching him. Obviously, he's missed out a year on his career, but yeah. you know if he's as good as as everyone's saying he is, then then he should be given a chance, shouldn't he? Yeah, but I think the. the I mean, just to go back to the Golden Sand, but the young player one—it's just—it's just been a, like a walkover, really, for, for Trent. Although there's been Joe, Joe Gomez, unfortunately, he suffered that injury last year. But Trent's got a mural now. The thing he is, it. we haven't had a lot of young players, and that—that—that's—that's that's why Trent's won it a few times. Coutinho used to win it every year. Sterling used to win it every year. You know, we haven't had like a group of two or three or four young players. I suppose that's because of the. You know, the, 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 the sort of the success that we're trying to achieve you can't really throw them all in at once and the likes of Brewster and um, the, the other lad Wilson he's, he's gone on loan anyway yeah. hasn't he but they would have been maybe the two that you you fancied might have got a chance I think what we've got to do is is, is try and steamroll at least or we do steamroll sides at Anfield anyway don't we I mean you know four nils should become our sort of scoreline of choice over the last two years but if we can get a good lead in, 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 in the league against some of these poorer teams then there's going to have to be an opportunity for the likes of Brewster to get 45 minutes, basically just give him a good run out, you know, every other week if you can, you know. Yeah, I think he's the one that we, we sort of, although Klopp's playing him down, I think he's the one that, that we're pinning our hopes on to be the next Michael Owen or the next Sterling. Yeah, and so where, where do you think this sort of leaves us then, Paul, in terms of next season, what what we have done or haven't done? You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of clubs spending money, you know, um, 
people have strengthened, haven't they? Those ones behind us and ahead of us, really. Man City have bought a, a right back in the last 24 hours who, who, looks to, who looks to business. You know, Spurs have spent a lot, Man United spent a lot, but they needed to at the same time. You know, they, they, they're the ones who were, you know, in terms of Tottenham and Man United, they're, they're chasing, aren't they? And, and they had obvious gaps in the, in, in the squad. Are you, are you concerned about what other clubs have done in this window or do you see it as a case of, well, they, they had to spend money whereas, whereas we were okay? I mean, I'm sort of of the idea that other clubs are sort of really none of my business at the moment in time. Um, I'm not even interested in United, City, uh, not City, um, Chelsea again. They can't do anything. I'm sort of intrigued by what Arsenal are doing because I think it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to crash and burn or it's going to go stellar. And it'll be interesting because is that our second home game? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, two seasons ago we beat, we battered them 4-0 here. And it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. No, I think I feel more confident as a club that we don't really need to worry about other people quite as much as we used to. Um, And again, I can only think that the reason we haven't bought is because if we wanted anybody and we've been able to keep it quiet, they've either not been available or the money was wrong and Klopp has just made a decision that no, we're not going to buy. I mean, it, it gets to the point, James, doesn't it, where you've got to be a very good player now to play for Liverpool and there's only so many of those kind of out there and, and maybe they're not available right now and maybe they've got their eye on kind of next summer. Is, is that what you've sort of sensed from from sort of being around the club a little bit over the summer and things like that is that they're happy to wait. You know, you saw it with Virgil. You know, you've seen it with other players as well. If they know who they want and if they're not available this summer, they're, they're quite happy to wait till next yeah, that's and and to be fair, that they've been pretty consistent in that. I think think back to, I think spoke to Klopp towards the back end of last season, probably April, late April time, and um, then looking ahead towards the summer, he said it it will be a quiet summer. He said there's no need for us to spend money on anything like the scale that we did last year, because he said you know I'm just you know so content with what I've got and what's coming through, and not wanting to block that pathway. For the kids, as we talked about earlier on, because you know you can't you can't kind of bask in the glory of being able to attract people like Harvey Elliott, who every top club in Europe was after Harvey Elliott, and the same for you know Sepp, Sepp Vandenberg, you know again could have gone to many other top clubs, chose Liverpool because of you know the proofs in the pudding with what he's done for people like Joe Gomez and Trent Alexander Arnold. So you can't you can't kind of like kind of love that fact and then say we want to stockpile players as well because otherwise you're not going to attract those young players and so that is part of it and I think in general you look at the way Klopp operates he likes a small squad you know I think personally I think I, I would be a lot happier if Liverpool had gone and spent 40 or 50 million pound on someone like a Timo Werner to just give him that extra option in the front three because that, that worries me just how much um, you know responsibility there is on the shoulders of the, the established front three and I just think Brewster's going to be a star, but is it fair to put too much responsibility on him this season? I think probably not. I think we'll see more from Shakiri, but again, question marks in terms of he still has to really earn Klopp's trust in terms of his work off the ball. And then Origi, you know, obviously a cult hero, but can he make that next step from being that, you know, that super sub who's in the right place at the right time to actually showing he can lead the line week after week? So, um, I think there's been a number of reasons, and then also you've got to factor in things like you know people. I've I've read lots of things on social media about you know where's the where's the 200 million gone from the TV money and the Champions League. But Liverpool have got an astronomical wage bill, and that has grown massively 
in terms of the contracts they've dished out in the last 12 to 18 months, yeah. I think. And I'm sure they all had nice Champions League winning bonuses. Well, exactly, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that money has to come from somewhere. Um, yeah, so the idea that that has been somehow kind of like put to one side and is just a, a big bag of cash in the corner at Melwood just doesn't stack up. You know, I think I think the, the extra contract commitments were worth kind of £150 million. Um, so it's a, it's a huge financial commitment. And I think... You know how many years have we said it that Liverpool have had to be back in transition because they've lost one of their elite players because yeah. they, you know, their heads have been turned. Well, you know that hasn't happened this summer, and I think sometimes some people get so het up in wanting something shiny and new, they kind of lose sight about what they've actually got right under their nose already. I mean, we talked about Naby Keita earlier, Hogan. I mean, he was a signing that we made, but we, it was twelve months time, wasn't he? We announced it, but said he's coming next summer. So if they just didn't announce Mbappe 2020 now, then everyone, <laughs> everyone would just relax, go calm down. And so I don't, I don't understand why they're not just doing that. I think I think there's a bit of that. And I say, I think there's lads there who are potentially them signings that we just haven't had a chance to use. I, it's funny because like you watch the social media meltdown at the minute and I, I look at it in a totally different way. I look at it as, one, the other clubs around us had a lot more work to do yeah. than we had to do. And two, we've all cried out for so long about having a more competitive league with teams having a go, especially at City because the nature of the way teams have played City well I, I think we potentially have got that now the nature of the people who've come into the league means that there's more teams who are going to have a go at City um, whether that what that means I don't know but you know that's what we wanted so let's stop worrying about what, what we need to bring in because we've, we've got the lads there in the squad already and yeah okay every, I'm not going to sit here and say I, w- I wouldn't have liked another ma- lad in the squad and, and another forward but we haven't got them the fact that the other teams have strengthened is probably in, in our favour rather than City's favour by the nature of the way teams have competed against City over the last few years. We'll wait and see. We'll see who was right. Uh, yeah, and clap all the internet. Uh, but in the meantime, um, today we, we mentioned it briefly before, but today we unveiled the Anfield Raps here, Trent Alexander-Arnold mural. Um, just... Outside Anfield, well, just away from Anfield, uh, on on Civil Street, just off Anfield Road. We met Tread there this morning. It was his first look at the mural, and we hooked him up with a microphone to get his reaction. And so here it is now. Obviously, I thought it was a wind up at first, <laughs> but yeah, when when it got told that it was real and everything, it's just something that you you always dream of. You don't realise that this could ever happen. And yeah, it's it's something to be incredibly proud of, and something that me and my family are. Over the moon with, and just want to say thank you to everyone that made it happen. Can't change your number now either, can you? I know, yeah, I'm gonna have to <laughs> keep it the same. Yeah. Have you had any, uh, any, any jokes off the teammates? I mean, you're gonna be driving past that to every home game. Nah, not yet. Um, probably maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll start saying the jokes, but no, nah, I think I think they'll be happy happy that it's there as well. Hopefully. Um, so yeah, it'll be good to, to see all the fans with it tomorrow, and hopefully it'll it'll get. Um, some some more support for the food banks and that's the main reason why it's there at the end of the day. I was going to say that the, the main thing is obviously the pitch for you but the food bank stuff, the, the, the local charities, you're big involved in all that, that, that that's obviously close to your heart. Yeah, that, it's important that it's not just obviously just the, the picture and it's important that it has that message there and it shows that the fans and obviously it, they got told that it was only a few metres down the road um, before so it'll just raise a bit more awareness for it and just let them know that... Um, they can just get back whenever, whenever they can, and it's always there for the, for the good of the city and the good, the good of the, the, to get rid of the poverty and the, the people that are, are going hungry in the city. Trent Egan said his mural. What's happened is whenever friends and family come to visit, they keep sending 
him pictures of themselves in front of it. Have you received any of that yet, or are you anticipating that to come? Yeah, I know my mum and that came down the other day, and um, she had a few pictures with it when it went fully finished, but yeah. I think um, a few mates have been down and sent me pictures of it, so I, I, it's good to be to come down here today and see it in real life because the the pictures don't don't even do it justice, even though you know that it's amazing on the pictures in real life. It's it's amazing and it's something that hopefully will will stay for a while. Do you pinch yourself a bit that this is your life? Like, do you, I know it's been this for a while, but do you still kind of think this is a bit mad? Yeah, I think you you can never quite think that this kind of stuff's going to happen and that you can end up with with this this on the side of of a of a building. Um so yeah it's something that has probably took us took us by surprise but something that we've we've always wanted to happen and always to get to that point and maybe it's come a bit early but yeah to to be a part of something like this is is incredible. When you see like in, in the ten minutes we were here waiting until you got here, like the number of kids in trench shirts that have come and had pictures, does it mean a lot knowing that they, they dream of being like you and that they'll see this and kind of think it could happen to them. Yeah, the, the main message that obviously kids should should be picking up from from me and my story is that it's anything's possible, anything <coughs> can happen because I said before that I was I was once that, that, that kid in, in a Gerard or Carragher shirt. They were the players that I always had with the, with the local ones in the team and they're the ones that made me feel as though anything can happen. It weren't obviously the foreign players that were coming in and, and stuff like that. It was the the lads that that that, that said that they were just normal lads in Liverpool, and it's just a, a cycle of just being a normal a normal lad and and being able to see people living their dream and living your dream. Um, so yeah, hope, hopefully that's the message that that the, the young people in the city are picking up from from Trent, what's happening. We use the whole. Uh, dream angle but behind that dream there's a lot of sacrifice dedication not just from you but your family as well yeah i think there's been a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication sacrifices that, that have had to be made to to get to this to get to this point and there'll be a lot more that need to be made to to get even further and to, to reach higher heights so i think you've just got to be prepared to 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 do them sacrifices you've got to be able to to say no to things, you've got to be able to to put things aside and, and keep on the right path. And it's about the people that you have around you that will will motivate you to to want to do that, and not not feel as though you're forced, but to to do it for them and to do it because they've sacrificed things for you. And it's it's kind of you you owe them things and to to feel as though you you're doing it for the good of the family and the good of your friends and the people around you. Great season, great two seasons. Now the ambition to, to get a little bit more of that, you must have got a taste for it in Madrid. Now you're going into the new season with even more confidence. Yeah, I think obviously we missed out on the, the first trophy of the season the other day, but we know that we'll we'll have more opportunities to win silverware and we know that we'll get better the, the, the further that we go along. I think the manager said a lot of times that we're going to get better and better as a team and, and as players and we haven't reached our potential. And The way that the club's heading is is is, is the way that everyone, everyone thinks it should be, so it's it's looking positive for the club and um, yeah, as long as we keep working hard then I'm sure we'll be reaching many many more finals and getting much more silverware on board. Trent, you mentioned Gerard and Carragher specifically there as people that you looked up to and obviously kids in Liverpool now will see this, will see you as the scouser in the team, you know, one of our own and, and you're the big person for them but you're also the sort of first scout hero in 
the social media age and the age where Liverpool are really big in America and in Australia, Canada, wherever else. How does it feel to sort of have that responsibility to be a proper Scouse ambassador, a Liverpool City ambassador all around the world? Um, I think it's just, it just comes part and parcel of the, 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 the game now. You've just got to be ready to, to be a role model on all platforms. It's not like in the old days where it was literally just football and then you can do what you want off the pitch and, and you won't get pictured. It needs to be a 24-7 thing, but you get used to it straight away. I think the, the work that we do at the academy has prepared us for, for what, we, what we get into. It's not just being able to hold it on, on the pitch, it's about being ready to, to work hard and, and do the things off the pitch as well. And, and yeah, I think as long as you're a good person, then people will see that and people will, will look up to you. So that's the main thing, is to just be a good person first and foremost, and then obviously back it up with the, with the football on the pitch. You mentioned as well about the food banks, and you've done brilliant work for the likes of and for others as well, loads of really sort of community-based charity groups. Loads of footy teams, loads of players do charity work, but it seems like the Liverpool ones really take it seriously and really enjoy doing it. How much does it sort of impact you? Do you talk about that in training and WhatsApp groups, that sort of thing? Are you sort of aware of what's going on around you and the things that you're doing and the, the genuine influence you have? Um, I think a lot of the work that we do comes um, comes after like the, the the stories and the, the success stories and that come afterwards. So up until then, you don't really hear much about the work that you've done in the community. But yeah, I think that the lads are more than willing to do it. I think if you ask anyone who's who's ever asked one of the players to do anything, it's it's always been a yeah. It's always been we're willing to do it, no matter whether they're from the city, whether they're not from the city. They're willing to give back. I think. The main thing about Liverpool is that the the players don't just don't just fall in love with the club, they fall in love with the city. A lot of um old old players that, that aren't originally from Liverpool will, will always come back to Liverpool because there's a connection there that the, the fans give give so much to you, you feel as though you're indebted to them to give back to the community and, and stuff like that. I think a, a massive example is obviously um Rafa Benitez who, who's always given back to the city. He's, even though he moved on, he's, he's still, yeah, he's still, he still always gave back to the city and just felt that connection. So I feel as though the, the lads don't feel as though that they're, they're forced to do it. It's kind of optional and, and they, they do it because the, the people are so good in the city and they, they feel as though that they can help them. So, so why wouldn't you? And it is their harrys.com inserts and we'd like to thank Harry's for their continued support of the Anfield Wrap. Um, but also because it's a fantastic product that both myself and Neil use. Um, I know Neil signed up for it and you can do too. If you want to claim your trial set for just 3 95 you can go to harrys.com forward slash Anfield. That's harrys.com forward slash Anfield. And they will get their razor out in the post to you. Um, included in your Harry's bundle, you get the weighted ergonomic handle, a five precision engineer blades with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, which is really fantastic, and a travel blade cover that I lost almost immediately. Um why you should use Harry's, well, basically for decades, one big razor company, you know who I mean, has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of their customers. So, Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were fed up of getting ripped off, started Harry's to fix shaving. Um, they bought their own factory, and by taking less profit by selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's offered their blades at half the price you would normally play. Um, it is really good quality. As I say, me and Neil both use it. We both enjoy using it, and we both continued using it 
even after the free stuff ran out and if me and Neil are putting our hands in the pockets for something then it must be good because that is a, a rare thing indeed so yeah harrys.com if you want to get involved as I say the trial set comes to you for 3 95 and then you fill in some things online uh, regarding how often you shave and things like that and then they get them out to you more regularly but obviously you can cancel at any time you want so harrys.com Anfield that is harrys.com forward slash Anfield sorry if you get on it says right now here but you know you can do it later or tomorrow that is fine enjoy your weekend but yeah I do recommend uh, Harry's it is a fantastic product and yeah thanks again to Harry's for supporting us it's John Gibbons still in the studio and I'm having a little chat with James Pierce now Evan else has left us Uh, (laughs) I'm going to talk about James's new position uh, at the Athletic and the interesting things that Athletic are looking to do um, with football writing and sports media in the UK. Uh, first of all, James, though, it must have been quite strange to leave the Liverpool Echo because people maybe don't realise quite how long you were there because, <laughs> uh, you know, they know you as the, as the main man of LFC, as you big sort of became, but it was it was a journey up to that, wasn't it? And Yeah, you were there, there a long time. Yeah, 14 years altogether. So, um, man and boy. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, it was a strange feeling, actually, that last day and... Clearing out the desk and dealing with you know, fourteen years worth of notepads and and everything else that had accumulated over that that time. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, when I started off at the Echo, being the Liverpool reporter was it was the dream, but it felt like a bit of a pipe dream at the time because it was it was like way in the distance. You know, I, I was working on like the eight page junior export section every Tuesday and you know kind of uh, rewriting you know, local gymnastics reports and basketball and fencing and things like that. And uh, and then it was a very gradual process. You know, at the time, Chris Bascom was a Liverpool reporter at the Echo and then obviously Tony Barrett took over from him. And it was it was kind of thanks to the upheaval with Hicks and Gillette, really, at that point that, that Tony Barrett had kind of said, you know, this is too much for, you know, you almost need someone to cover the football and someone to cover the politics of this club at the moment. So that that kind of gave me the chance to move across and become a full-time writer on the desk and then and obviously then Dominic King took over from from Tony uh and then shortly after that I uh I I managed to get the uh the main role so yeah it was a big big decision in the end because uh I wasn't I wasn't like desperate to get away because it was you know I felt very privileged to do that job but mm. yeah when it came about a week before the Champions League final the Athletic contacted me and asked me to go down to London to have a chat with them and um yeah, just massively impressed by what they had to say, really. Yeah, I mean, there was there was you know lots of rumours going around in terms of the Athletic and what they were going to do when they were sort of coming over because they are, as people people may or may not know, hugely successful in America in, in terms of their business model and, and how they approach it. What I find interesting is that in terms of what what they've done with the, with their football coverage, James, is that. You know, I mean, you know, you know, you hear all the gossip and you see how they're going after this name and that name. Whereas, in terms of sort of national journalists, they, they, they've got a few. They've got Daniel Taylor and David Ornstein and people like that who are, who are great writers. But actually, what they've done is to get all well, well, many of the of the best kind of regional journalists, haven't they? And so they're making sure basically every club is covered and not just covered, but covered by by often the, the, the kind of the best people or, or most renowned people on the patch and that's kind of a different way of looking at it really isn't it yeah and I, and I think probably certainly for myself and someone like Phil Hay um, up in Leeds and you know Michael Bailey in, in Norwich and you know uh, Greg Evans as well the, the Villa reporter down in Birmingham I think you know probably in recent years that those opportunities to progress onto the nationals that were maybe there 
10, 15 years ago, you know, haven't, you know, there just there hasn't been those jobs going. So it was, you know, it, it feels like this is the chance to work for an exciting new national paper. And you're right, it's, you know, it's the thing that kind of struck me was was just how ambitious they've been in terms of the recruitment. Because, you know, when you're weighing up, you know, it's, of course, it's a gamble when you join anything new. And, um, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, do you know what, you know, with it, the, the, the calibre of the people they've managed to convince to come on board, you know, someone like Daniel Taylor, who's won countless national awards for his journalism, and Oliver Kay from The Times as, as well, and George Colkin from The Times, and you know, Alex Kajelski, who's the um, who's the editor of it all um, in the UK. You know, he, the fact that he's come from The Times and given up a very prestigious role there, you think, you know, these are all people that, have, that really believe in this project, and it's just really bold and ambitious. I think it's, you know, I think probably one of the one of the things that kind of frustrated me slightly about the way things have gone in recent years was, was that in that chase for hits, which is what a lot of um, you know newspaper websites and websites in general have gone for. You know, you know, it's you find yourself having to write everything about absolutely everything, and you think you reach that point, where you think, does that really warrant another story you know is and you and you maybe don't get the time to work on the stuff that you really want to do and so when these guys said well you know, rather than you doing seven or eight things every day we want you to do three or four things a week but those three or four things you're going to give given the time uh, and the resources to actually go and do it properly speak to all the people you need to speak to you know you're not going to have the, the you know the web spike deadlines or the print deadlines to work to so yeah, the, the more I weighed it up, I think you know I, it was. You know, I think this is. It felt. It felt like there's a real gap in the market for this, and you know, thankfully, so far this week, the the response has been pretty positive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you, say Hughes, covering the Liverpool yeah. patch, if you like, and and you've both got your stuff. Your teeth kind of stuck into really interesting things already. I know um, you've done stuff with Tom Werner, who's obviously the Liberal chairman that you you were working on out there. Um, so Hughes has written something on FSG as well. He's, he's he's had a little look at Norwich and what they're up to, which which I found interesting. Obviously, he had a play in them on Friday, and and as you say, it's stuff that you know when you're given a little bit more space and you give it a little more time, you can, you, and people have a lot of interest in as well. And, you know, you're getting into the mind of, um, of, of, of Tom Rainey, who doesn't do a huge amount of press, you know, it is a, is a real opportunity for, for us to understand him more. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it is that chance to do things in, in more depth as well. And, you know, certainly with, with Tom Rainey, you'll be able to spend 40, 45 minutes in his office and in Boston. And it's, and it's slightly different as well when you're not, when you're not going in there, maybe looking for like, you're not looking for that, you know, that big kind of news angle that is going to be, you know, you're not thinking newspaper-wise in terms of something big that's going to end up on the back page. You can do something in more in-depth and, and cover more more details and, and make it more of a kind of an in-depth featurey read. So that's, you know, that was that, that was kind of one of the one of the attractions of being able to do that. And you know, the good thing for me is they are, they are also very keen still on you know the academy side of things, which I, I love doing. You know, that was. While I was over at Oldham for the yeah. uh, the EFL Trophy game this this week, and you know doing doing a piece on uh, on Harvey Elliott and speaking to people that have worked with him over the years, and um, so it's, yeah, it's just it's, it's just very different. It's going to be a bit surreal come match days because the you know not having those time pressures that I, that I was used to. You know, usually going to let you in the press the, box. Um, yeah, yeah, we, I'm in. Well, I'm in the press box for the Norwich game. I think. Well, you're up, so wait and see. So, so, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, <laughs> it was a bit. It was. It was. I think. 
because there's a system called Dataco, obviously, that, yeah. that deal with all the Premier oh, League yeah, accreditation like requests. And <laughs> the uh, it was touch and go this week whether it came through in time. But now uh, Simon Hughes and myself are are in there, so we've uh, we've got those passes. But yeah, I think you know I'm kind of uh, usually a figure of fun in the mix zone area at Premier League games. I'm usually sat on the floor desperately typing away, trying to make the most of the time before the players come through. And uh, it might mean I don't have to sit on the floor typing this season because I think that, you know, they're, that they're more about kind of you know doing a more considered piece, mm. either either when you get back after the game or even early the following morning. And so it's it's going to be a real, it's going to, you know, I wouldn't, you know it's, it's, just, it's just a very different way of working in terms of not, not reporting on absolutely everything that, and, and actually thinking, well, you know, what is there I can do that's different that might take a day or two, you know, and, and then having given being given that time to to do it properly. So you know, it's not a case now of going to clock press conferences and and filing every everything that he said. It's not a case of going to mix zones and you know, and, and, and particularly getting player quotes with all the other reporters. Um, so it's, I mean, it, it, but it's you know obviously that's a challenge in its own way. There's so much competition. Yeah. Uh, you know, writing about Liverpool is uh, you know the challenge is going to be trying to come up with new, interesting, and engaging stuff on a on a weekly basis. And um, you know certainly over the coming weeks and months, the plan is for there be to be a you know a decent multimedia side to it as well with um, with podcasts and. Uh, <laughs> I'll still come back here if you like me. The, um, and, and obviously video stuff as well. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting and yeah, especially to work with someone like Cy Hughes as well. It's uh, it's going to be good fun, I think. Yeah, uh, it's good news that you're going to be able to get to Pop World early on Friday night now as well. Um, it's a subscription service that you guys have launched. It'll never work. Um, <laughs> It's it's cheap at the moment as well. Uh, if people go to the links um, that, that you that you um, put out there, people can get it for half price for twelve months. Yeah, they can. Yeah, over at um, theathletic.com uh, slash pierce fifty off at the moment. If <laughs> I that thought that was your squad uh, number first. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but if you go to that, yeah, it's um, yeah half price throughout throughout August. Um, I think it works out about two pound fifty a month over over the course of the, of the uh, if you sign up for a year. Um, and uh, yeah, there's you know, there's plenty plenty of good stuff on there already. So uh, yeah, the challenge now is to try and make sure uh, the good stuff keeps on coming. Well, best of luck. I think it's a it's a fantastic business model, and and I think you know the idea of paying for quality, I think, is is, is what people should be promoting, and of course doing as well. So uh, so good luck with it, mate. Thanks very and, much. Uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how it goes. But yeah, in the meantime, uh, back to whatever we got next. Delighted to have Rachel Ramsey join us. Uh, Rachel produced. Uh, some of the This Is Football's series that's on Amazon Prime. Um, it is the absolute business. If you haven't seen it, do take the opportunity to do so. I'm going to talk to Rachel at greater length uh, behind the paywall, uh, but for this part of the weekend, I'm going to talk to her about that video, uh, Redemption, uh, an hour-long film, which is the story of the Rwandan Reds. And I was lucky enough to meet the Rwandan Reds. We'll talk about that maybe in a minute as well, Rachel. But to have told that story from scratch of that culture, that community, that nation rebuilding itself through football with one another. I mean, it's it, you didn't take on a small story. You took on an absolutely enormous story. Yeah, and I think the first, the first thing when you look at these stories is it can feel easily like a cliche that football breaks down borders, football you know, crosses any languages. It's a completely cross-cultural concept. Yes, everyone understands football. And... It's not until you really take the the most extreme of that and go to the most sort of extreme levels of what can happen 
within within humanity that you realize that actually yeah, that that's a cliche for for a reason and the stories that we covered in in Rwanda you're talking about an entire country suffering from the repercussions of genocide there's not much more there's not much tougher you get than that in the strand itself it chooses to to start with the story of the Rwandan reds with redemption and what they do is they it's staggering to me to have chosen that one. It would have been easy to, for instance, there's one that focuses on the brilliance of Leo Messi. But it's more that I think that the makers of this, that you have chosen, that you, you want to take people into this other direction. We're not doing the cliched football thing. It is, it's got this gorgeous opening shot. There's some you'll never walk alone. There's we are Liverpool. All happening uh, in Rwanda. And the, the sheer love and fervour they've got for the Reds is absolutely huge. Well, actually, the, in, the entire series came off the back of an idea that started in Rwanda. So the series writer, John Carlin, who's uh, an international journalist who um, has written about current affairs as well as football extensively, and was in Rwanda in 2004. This is 10 years after the genocide, and it was as the, uh, the authorities started to release prisoners back into the community because there was no way the prisons were all overflowing by this point and they had to be, um, had to be released. And he was present at a football match that was held between newly released prisoners and the local community that had been organised in all, as a way of starting to, well, this word redemption that we keep coming back to, and starting to reintegrate people back into society. And he wrote an article about that, and it was based off that article from 2004 that was actually published in Spanish in El País. That's where we went to with, the fir- with that first episode. So we had that article as, a, as something to start from. That was pretty much all we had and then we went back out to the country and tried to find out what that story really meant and that's when we started to meet the contemporary stories that's when we met Rwanda Reds that's when we started to find how these stories weren't only this political move in 2004 actually it's happened on a grassroots level continuously when we and we're not in the <clears throat> actual film itself the Anfield Rap but we interviewed um, three of the Rwandan Reds we interviewed Claude and Joe and there was when you mention there, it's such a strange way to use the language after the genocide. Like, when we spoke to them, one of the things that just astonished me was the way in which they would quite casually say after the genocide as a way of capturing a time frame, as a way of almost bringing you, pulling you into their story and speaking to you. And it's, it is such a hor- horrific thing to have happened to a country, and yet people have to assimilate it into their lives because what are the options? What You don't go on. You either find a way to go on. and So you therefore do end up quite casually saying to people in Anfield cafes after the genocide. And I, I, I was just stunned by it. Like, it absolutely took my breath away. And that's a lot of what this story is. It, it is that sort of finding ways to get everybody, pull everybody through into the space after that happened. And I think what it truly is, is you couldn't just do it on a political level. It's not just the government that can cure a country, that can start to heal people. Every single individual you meet has had to make an individual decision about how they are going to react to those to the, to the situation that happened. Everyone we meet in our film has, um, and this was not through, this is not how we chose them, it's just that that's what happens, that it, everyone we meet has lost a family member, a very close family member, um, within, within living memory. And in order for those people to move on, and we see this particularly in, in Joe's story, they have to make individual decisions that they will forgive. They don't forget because it's still being talked about, but in order to move forward, in order to have any semblance of real life, they have to say to each other, okay, 
we're all moving forward together, we're all going to be one country, one nation. And that's where these really fascinating mirror, you know, this where it starts to mirror what you see when you have a community like international Liverpool fans. There are huge communities built around this who support each other in order to do that. So when it's tricky for an individual to keep going, they can rely on this new built community around them, which happens to be, with the people we've met, an international fandom for Liverpool. What are the decisions you made in amongst making the film is it's you brought them to Liverpool. So you, we managed to find a way to get them to Liverpool, to get them to a game. Uh, it was one where, at that moment, it's... It's odd in the filmmaking process because you're, you're trying to document their lives as their lives are and how they sort of hook together. But there was there's that moment of sheer, again, the word is the title, it is redemption, but that moment of sheer bliss almost with them around the ground towards the very end of the film, which, you know, when it's somewhere that I... So some you know some of our officers just driven there to pop down to sort something out and that that realization that that is you know it, it was it was basically almost as though you put them in paradise and that's what they're what's there at the very end of it is that they are seeing you'll never walk alone part of that process and placed absolutely in the place that they that, that they think about all the time the place they most want to be they all have their reasons to be there um they are not coming oh well, from my opinion they're not coming to anfield because it's in Liverpool in the north of England as the geographical place that where we know it is. Anfield could kind of be anywhere. It's this mythical place that brings them together. Anfield as a concept probably would a lot of the people we'd met wouldn't you know wouldn't be easily able to put it on a map, but exactly what it means to them is very very clear and every single one of our characters who we're following every single one of these fans we're following has an individual reason to go there. Um, Joe, his relationship with his father, for Claude, his relationship with his um, adopted father, and for Alexis, who's the chair, who the chairman of the Rwanda Reds, is he is there on behalf of his entire Rwandan Reds family in Kigali. Well, Kigali again is is there throughout, and the, you know there's so many little bits and pieces in there as well around. For instance, the trying to get you know a, a national program for young women to play football as, again as a way of sort of moving past things and again that's the the other thing that comes across is that this isn't a whilst the three of them are, are men this isn't a gendered conversation within Rwanda the Rwandan Reds are, are, are you know it's, it's everyone in together and the way in which Kigali is this this sort of central point i.e. because they all have to travel so far to get there as well and again so they're, they're making these sort of pilgrimages every week to feel part of the community of people watching this what, what watching Liverpool play yeah there's um, a bar which is featured a lot throughout the film which is called Plus 250 which is the country code for Rwanda so and the bar itself had been in existence for a while and the owner of it was a, um, a red himself um, having seen matches when he was living in uh, he was living in exile um, from the violence that was happening in the country in Tanzania in the 70s and 80s and he became a fan then when he came back to Kigali again after the genocide he um, decided to dedicate the bar that he had put together to the Liverpool fans that needed somewhere to watch and to be honest when we when we decided that we knew that we wanted to create um, to tell the story of a group of people in Rwanda who had come together through football. We didn't know initially that it was definitely going to be Reds. We, we yeah. were looking around to find out where those stories would be. And, um, and Liverpool is not the most popular um, Premier League team. It, um, you have Arsenal, United... In clearly, Rwanda. In Rwanda, yes, yeah, sorry. Clearly above. So there's other... So the, 
the Reds that we met were struggling to find somewhere to watch the matches every week because they were getting booted out of the bars <laughs> by Arsenal fans, United fans, and they were sort of they they were not top dog in the bars they were finding. So they found this pl- this place had it dedicated to them, and that's where we've been doing a lot of the filming. Um, and again, as said, as you say, it's it's not gender. There's a there's a big contingent of female Reds out there as well who are yeah pretty hard <laughs> pretty hardcore they're great um, last little thing then is people can see it now on Amazon Prime it sits with the six other films uh, as I said before going right the way through about different concepts it's a big it's a massive undertaking this and we'll talk more about this elsewhere but there is something you've chosen to tell stories that are unbelievably global but then which then pull back and work in the local arena for instance it be in this small community but the, the, the story is absolutely huge it it's a serious, serious undertaking, really. Has it changed the way in which you view football? Absolutely, yes. When I started, before I started on this project, so I'm a, a documentary producer. I've done, um, worked on uh, programmes and films that have um, all sorts, uh, in all sorts of subjects. Um, and I will have to admit, I was not a football fan before I started this project. And that is also quite necessary, I think, when you're going to be so close to something and the stories are complicated and incredibly rich, you need to have, you need to be able to step back a bit. I I think it would have been quite difficult for me to make this film if I were um, as football obsessed as a lot of my colleagues were. We needed that balance. So I had a great team of researchers and the directors are from huge, huge football fans. But to have, sort of, as you're structuring that story, it's, it can be good to have a bit of space. But So I came in like that, and now I can see so clearly why and how this game is so, not just popular, but actually important. And that, you know, that cliche we're talking about, about it, you know, bringing people together and crossing boundaries, crossing languages, is so completely true. And not only did I see it, I was living it that time. Excellent stuff. It's there. It's available now. It is on Amazon Prime. Uh, Redemption is the first of the episodes. It is the one that is about Liverpool or has a Liverpool tinge to it, but they're all excellent, excellent films. Six of them, six hours long. Check them out. And it's John Gibbons again for the Anfield Wrap. And I want to just introduce a new partner to you. It's the Last Fan Standing app. That's Last Fan Standing app, uh, which I've been having a bit of a play with and I've really enjoyed. You might have seen us talking about it this week on YouTube as well. Um, Last Fan Standing is basically a test of your Liverpool knowledge. So obviously all Liverpool fans think they're the most knowledgeable and this allows you to put that to the test so you can play against people online, you can get into teams with your friends and just sort of get stuck in really. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be fun so it's not a gambling site. It's 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 a quiz site that you can play online. You can play against other Liverpool fans and you can win cash prizes uh, which is pretty cool as well. So how it works is every day when Liverpool don't have a match there's a scheduled quiz about LFC at 7pm where fans try and answer the most questions correctly in a row to become the last fan standing i had a little go today i was on four right i was flying and the questions were all about the community shield final uh, final you know community shield game against manchester city i thought i was doing well and then i got a i got a tricky one which was um who was jordan henderson substituted for obviously there were subs were flying in and out and i went for nabi kaiter i think it was and it was adam lalana so i was a bit devastated so i was not the winner um, i went out after after four and i think um the, the, the others who was it was still in which i think was only three at that stage kind of carried on from there but you do get points for every question you get right and you can build them up and that adds to your ITK score and then you go into a table or a leaderboard and you can see how you do so do get involved I think the app's really really good I've had a lot of fun with it this 
this um this week playing and they also do something before every game so if you want to download it before Norwich about three hours before the game you can do a predictor so what you think is going to happen before the game I haven't played that one yet because obviously they haven't they haven't been able to get get chance before the game this is the first game of the season but they do a predictor three hours before Norwich where you can win cash prizes I'm told it is at least a hundred pounds that's at least a hundred pounds but it might be a little bit more if a few more of you sign up and play so it's completely free to download you get free tokens to give yourself a bit of a go and yeah i'm going to be getting stuck in uh three hours before kickoff on norwich and trying to win myself a few quid where i can have a few beers on on friday night with so yeah so it's lastfanstanding.app so that is lastfanstanding.app if you want to download get involved it's on itunes it's on um apple sorry apple store and it's on google store as well and yeah if you've been banging on about how much you know about liverpool then now is the time to put it through the test so challenge your mates or play the people online and enjoy it because it's run by liverpool fans it's um, a load of top reds over in ireland who've set this up i've been speaking to them today and they're good lads so do try and support them and yeah just enjoy because it's good fun for the second time i'm lucky enough to be joined by emma case to chat through a new project uh and it, but it's part of the bigger project. We chatted a little bit last time about your p- bigger project, Red. Yes. Uh, but as part of that, your your Red project is you looking to document through other people's photographs the history of Liverpool Football Club and that support. Should we talk about that for a second? Yeah. So the bigger project um, is Red. And it's, it's probably been going for about three years now. Like I look back and I see the first advert that I put out on Twitter. And I think it was three years ago. Um but it just started as like a normal photography project, like a bit of a sideline. Um, and it's sort of grown <laughs> over the years. And uh, now it kind of changed to asking fans to give me their own photos. So I started to sort of build an archive. Um, you know, the fans' photos from the 70s, yeah. you know, the ones up in shoeboxes in the loft. And, and they were sending them in. And on the website, there's like an upload facility, so you can send them through there. Um, and I would put them on the website and it just kept growing and then I've been kind of talking to the council about trying to take over a shop unit on Walton Brick Road um, obviously it's not an easy thing to do No. so uh, we're in talks I guess is probably the way to put it um, but the wider project you're still looking for people to send you photos. yeah yeah so if anyone does have any photos then on the website you can literally just upload them or you know get in contact with on Twitter or Facebook or whatever the website is redportraits.com it is yeah and I also have a Facebook group um, and a Facebook page so you can kind of find me and Twitter I'm Emma Case so um, so yeah it's kind of snowballed and I think going forward now the shop is something that I'm really wanting to do and kind of turn it into I guess an exhibition space um, but also be able to sort of run workshops so that people can kind of come in share their photos share their stories maybe do sort of creative workshops too like poetry or creative writing Um, like the scope for it is massive and it's kind of surprising me every day actually what's coming through and this exhibition is another one of the surprises it wasn't in the plan um, and it just kind of came out of nowhere, but I'm quite excited about what's coming. <laughs> well, this this exhibition is, is is as part of this. You asked people to take a disposable camera with them to Madrid. And, and like three days before. Three days before. Yeah, so it was a bit last minute, and I just put it out on Twitter, and I didn't really think anybody would be able to do it. I actually phoned up Speak Airport 
to check, I think it was boots, <laughs> to check <laughs> if they had disposable <laughs> cameras. Because I was like, if I'm telling everybody, then actually that's the easiest place to get it from. Um, and yeah, they did. So Did I they think, have enough? I don't, that's, well, that's the next question for boots. Yeah, yeah. Um, it ended up. That, the figures are skewed. There's been a run on them. They don't know why. <laughs> They're like, why is everyone <laughs> buying disposable cameras? But um, then as people were heading over to Madrid... I was getting photos from people going, got mine, and it, they'd have ta- they'd taken a photo of the disposable camera they had. And so all of a sudden I was like, actually, this this could be really good. I really hope the photos come out. Um, hope they win. Hope they win. <laughs> yeah, good point, actually. We didn't know if they were going to win at that point. Um, and then when they got back, they sent me the cameras, and I sent them to get developed. And, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I had a, a, a kind of dream of what they were going to look like but actually what's come back I think is actually even better like I absolutely adore them so nine fans sent me cameras Mm -hmm. and I think in the exhibition now there's maybe 60 or 62 photos Um, and so I've kind of put them together and then I approached Hotel Tia to maybe do a bit of an exhibition sort of in their garden Mm -hmm. space uh, thinking maybe October time, give me a bit of time to maybe get some funding, put some stuff together. Because I'm a wedding photographer, so at the moment it's really busy for me because I'm shooting weddings every weekend across the country. <laughs> like we're in, where are we? We're in the lakes on Saturday. So, <laughs> um, And Hotel Tia came back and said, sounds brilliant. Do you think you could maybe put it together for the start of the season? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think. Um, But to be honest, because I'm working on a bit of a crowdfunder at the moment for Red, for the bigger project, Mm -hmm. and this is a really good taster of what I think I want to keep going with. It's it's interesting because there's the idea of of taking photos that haven't been used for this purpose, which Mm -hmm. is what the the Red idea is, grabbing that documentary evidence that at the minute, as you say, could be sitting in someone's loft. Or even if it's out, it's still out with a limited audience. You know, even if you've got it on the mantelpiece, there's other people who come to your mantelpiece who can see it. So, But then this, it strikes me as something that's just a little different because people are taking these photos from the from the position of sending them to you. What you're going to do with them, they don't know. No. But that sort of journey is fascinating, I think, that all of a sudden people are thinking, thinking of you in the taking of the photographs yes. is a slightly different step, isn't it? I think the whole thing, actually, has been a really nice surprise because, yes, they, they got hold of the photos and it was a completely different way of documenting their trip to Madrid. I mean, for me, it was a really nice link between other Champions League where they the photos were always on film and the colours were just they're really evocative so if you see photos from any other final you kind of go you get kind of transported back and it's for me using disposables was like a thread Mm -hmm. so it was kind of connecting with the other ones also disposables it's this kind of in the moment like you can't check the back of the camera you can't delete it yep um and actually, I got a note with one of the disposables in the envelope, um, and it kind of just said, it, it really enhanced my enjoyment of the trip. I really enjoyed the fact that I had this little kind of task. Um, <laughs> and I saw it in kind of a, a creative way. Yeah. And and that really meant a lot, to be honest, because I didn't really think about it. It was a bit of a, a panic. Can anyone do it? Um, and then what's come back... Some of them are a little bit, 
I don't want to say blurry, but some of them have an energy to them. And they're not perfect. And they're not digital. And they're not clean. And for me, I think it really shows the trip in a really nice atmospheric way, I guess. It's, I mean, just to, um, um, it's, uh, you're in part here almost making quite a quite a firm argument for film over digital, which, Ooh, is, yeah. which is something ongoing. Is yeah. that something that you always work with film? Um, when I'm, when me and my husband are shooting weddings, um, we mainly shoot on digital just because of the way yeah. the wedding day works. But we do bring film cameras if the couple wants it. But all of my other work, yeah. so anything that's non-weddings, and everything on the Red website is shot on film. So to me, there's just a real tangible aspect of film. It takes me back and it actually connects me to the history of Liverpool. So, yeah, you have to shoot film. You have to shoot <laughs> I'm really film. really passionate about it. Yeah, no, no, no. Film <laughs> always has its own energy. It is a different thing. And as you say before, cleanliness isn't always next to godliness. I think it's fair to say. I, yeah, I like that. Um, there is, there is, you're launching this on Thursday at here. Yeah. Uh, people listening to this, it is now after Thursday. Uh, but. I wish it was after Thursday because actually I'm really terrified. Are you a bag of nerves? Yeah, I'm really terrified. Not up yet, is it? No. That's the thing. We <laughs> talked about it earlier and it's, it's, I was really nervous about putting it out there. Then I was really nervous because I'd put it out there, but I'd actually not printed anything. And because it was on disposables, I was really worried about the quality of the print. Then I got it printed and I was like, whew, that's okay. It looks really good. And now it's not actually on the fence yet, but it's on the, it's going on the fence tomorrow. Then I'll be a little bit calmer. Then you'll be able to relax. Then, yeah. But it's when it hits the fence, it isn't going anywhere <laughs> till October, is it? So people can come and see it anytime. Yeah. Anytime, not just on match days. It's available to be seen anytime. Whenever Hotel T is open, you can go around the back and it'll be, basically, if, if you know the garden, on the left-hand side, the long fence that runs down uh, the garden, it'll be on there. Um, and you know what? I didn't even realise I'd done it, but working out, because I kind of did it in the playroom at home because I've got a little boy, and had them all like lined up, all the little photos, trying to work out a sort of layout. And I've realised that I've put it in six sections. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I shouldn't have said that I did it by accident. I should say it was purposeful. But yeah, so it's in sort of six sections. That's all the best things happen by accident uh, uh, yeah, when you realise that you've done them. So they're just there. So people, as I say, you can't go to the launch now. That will have been the Thursday night. But it's just there. It's just present. And I mean that just not in a casual way as a sort of, there's no excuse really. If you if you come up for a game at any point for the next however long, you can just go and see it and go and go and enjoy it and go and relive Madrid through people's eyes rather than through curated eyes. I think that's the nicest thing about this is it's purely the fan's perspective. And... The whole project, actually, read that's what I wanted it to be. You know, you can see lots of press photos. You can see, like, the sort of official story. But there's something just really magical about seeing it from, well, the first person, really, isn't it? It's, yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm just... And I'm really excited because three... I think three of the nine photographers are saying they're coming on Thursday. And I just, I, I just want them to love it. Like, that's what I really want. I reckon they will. Yeah, hopefully. It's all there. It's in here. Uh, get yourself down. Have a lovely little look. And we're back in the room. We've still got Paula, Chris, James and Paul. And we're going to look ahead to Norwich now. We're Norwich City at home. And 
footballer as as opening games go, it's it's as nice as it as it comes really. A promoted team. I mean, we we shouldn't you know take them for granted. They, they won the league last season. They'll be a bit kind of bullish coming up. I'm I'm sure. But you know, as I say, if you, if you could pick your opening fixture, Friday night Norwich at home, it's not a bad one. It's absolutely perfect, and there aren't many I can go to, but this one I can go to, and the last two. First game of the season, home games I've been to, we won 4-0. Okay. So, no pressure. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping for a really good... I think... I think I, I, I listened to a podcast this morning, I can't remember which one it was, but we were all talking about the fact that there's no wait until March anymore. It's it's from the B of Bang. Oh, you yeah. go from tomorrow now and it's it's all out, so we got to go all out and, and do what we can here. I mean, it's about that, isn't it, Hogan, in that... I think last year it felt like the title run started in September. Like I remember uh, <laughs> feeling like that. In fact, it might have been earlier. I remember like punching the air when um, when City drew with Wolves. I'm sure that was August Bank yeah. Holiday weekend. Yeah. <laughs> just that whole pressure of it, feeling like you're yeah. actually playing the games yourself, walking out, walking out absolutely knackered of every single game. There's there's loads of me excited about it. There's loads to be dreaded. <laughs> but um, from, from 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 a game point of view, uh, we were talking before. I'm saying like. It'd be interesting to see what Norwich do because you know they're, they're a team who, who won the championship last year, it won it really well, really attacking team, a lot of the ball. Um, Norwich in general have always played nice football, um, and they've got to come up and. What's he going to ask them to do? Is he going to ask them to go again and do the same thing? Or I think he will, yeah. Which is all which the best territory, us, in it, yeah. yeah, which suits us. So I think it's a really difficult one for you know they're not. I always say that I think the teams that come up in general, the teams who have struggled to come up a little, uh, probably are better suited to the style of football that they might have to, to, to stay up, if you like. So I think um, yeah, I've always liked Norwich anyway as a team, so I'm looking forward to it. I think Friday night being just the idea of a Friday night game is great as well. <laughs> and going out about 12 o'clock tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look out for Paul. Um, he's... He, he was asked about Sadio Mane, James, in the press conference and he sort of talked up the idea of using him, really. I'm a little bit surprised in terms of a few of the lads who've come back. I didn't think that Firmino and, and Salah would start the Community Shield game, but they did. Um, and, then, and then, you know, he was asked about using Mane and he was like, well, yeah, he's back in the squad, you know what I mean? He's available. Are you a little bit surprised and, and would you, you know, would you be at all shocked if, if he was to start Friday night? I would be surprised if he started him. I mean, that Klopp was insinuating today he could start. He yeah. said, you know, I think he made the point that because he'd only had two weeks off, it's different than a player having five or six weeks off and then having to to build it up because it's, he hasn't he hasn't really had a break to then have a a, a season. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't really lost his yeah. sharpness, which you could say is a good good thing in one way. But then yeah. you know, when, when does he get his break? Because he's played. 13 months solid and it's a bit of a surprise isn't it because Jürgen's <laughs> talked about the, you know, the strains on footballers and that we're asking them too much but then he's like well there you go boys <laughs> so I mean I, my guess would be he'll be on the bench and there it probably will we'll want to give him probably 15-20 minutes I'd have thought um, with one eye on the Super Cup in midweek um, but yeah I'd, I'd be I think it would be it would be a risk to chuck him straight in I think especially in Norwich at home you know you shouldn't you shouldn't have to it's not, you know, it's not one of them games where you you'd be thinking you have to have Sadio Mane out there from the front, regardless of how important he is. Um, so you'd, you'd imagine he'd probably go, you know, Origi um, up there with, with with Salah and Firmino. But um, but yeah, it was certainly positive in terms of Mane being being ready to to play some part in the game. Do you think he'll go the same team as Community Shield, Chris, or do you think he'll mix it up a bit? There was no Milner in 
in that team, but you, you, you know, he didn't look a serious injury, so you think he'd be back in contention. Obviously, there's there's the opportunity to use a Kaiter or a Chamberlain to make the midfield a little bit more attacking, yeah. and then he's got you know choices up front as well. What do you think he'll go for? I, I, I think James is probably right about the front today. I couldn't see Mane starting. Maybe Shakiri or Origi might might get the left berth if you, if you like. Um, so did the, the, the matchup start on? And the community shield. No, he came on. He came on, and, and Gomez then switched across yeah. when Trent went off, didn't he? So, I think I'd like to see you know Matip start with Van Dijk in, in, in the centre of defence in case there's any high stuff to deal with. Um, you know, Norwich have, have won the league well um, last season, so it's a free hit for them. This basically, you know, I've looked at the statistics of the last six years of the Championship winners, and they've all stayed up. Oh, right. You know what I mean? So, like, it doesn't look like. The champions of the championship last year are going to be relegated, if you like. So, uh, it's going back a few good years. That um, six years, as I say, um, you know, this fella's a, you know, he's a German manager, isn't he? So Klopp might know a bit about his style of play. I think, uh, I think there's a few players who, who, who used to play for Dortmund under Klopp as well in the Norwich yeah. side. So I'm pretty sure he'll know what what to expect from Norwich. Whether that means he brings in Milner, I don't think Milner's necessary at this this point in the season. You're going to want to be saving his legs. For later on, when you like to, when you've got to give a few players a rest, to say as what Paula was saying, I think like we know now, we just we just can't afford to drop any points now. You know, we we, we look at the season last year, and from March onwards, I don't think Oso City dropped a point. It was just neck and neck every way. Um, the last point we dropped was obviously the derby, wasn't it? When when was that? So we've just got to win every 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 game now, and then hope to give, you know, our, our good players, um, our, our world class players, a rest really before Christmas. I think. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't decide with having midfield tomorrow. I'd probably, I'd probably go with Kaita, um, for being on probably Anderson. It should be a great atmosphere anyway, Paul. It's the first time a lot of people are going to have to see the European champions. I mean, me and James have been following them around all summer. Uh, we're sick, sick <laughs> of the sight of them. I made it to Tramia. <laughs> I made it to Tramia. Yeah, yeah. I know the one yeah. was, there was those games. Yeah. But generally speaking, for the for the home crowd, if you like, it's the first time to see these boys since since they lifted the trophy in, in Madrid. It should be a hero's welcome. You, you should have thought, and yeah. you know, it should, you know, we don't want to bang on about being European champions forever because it's tough to win this season. But you know, first chance to see the boys you know everyone should yeah. be in good spirits well we do want to bang on about being European <laughs> champions forever let's put that one right but yeah no I know I mean you know the, the saying is we've got to put that behind us and move forward now otherwise if we keep thinking about what we've won we're not looking forward I think it's going to be brilliant I think as Paul just said it's great that it's eight o'clock because people are going to finish work they're going to be able to have a couple of pints it's going to be no problem um it's going to be dark is it going to be dark? I forget it's which country I'm in. Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be wet. We know that. Is it that. raining tomorrow? Yeah, oh, it's, it's apparently it's, it's it now for a week. But yeah, so it's it's good to have the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> to have, the, have the lights on, and 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 I think there will be a brilliant atmosphere because we'll all be really up for it. I'm on Sky at uh, <gasps> six. We're not going to know you now, John. So I'm just thinking, yeah. like, how many how many pints could I have, Hogan, before? Because I was, I was, I was, I was How many in. pints could you have? Really? <laughs> or your average man? I was, I, I was booked in for a boozy lunch at one o'clock, but I think I'm going to have to cancel that. That's but I reckon, big. like, I reckon, um, I reckon a three o'clock finish should be safe. Uh, yeah. It'll make for better TV if you go with the boozy lunch. I, I know, but it might not be asked back. 
<laughs> and you know what I mean? We're, we're trying to go with the brand. You know what I mean, James? Oh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, I mean, tune in, everyone, to Sky Sports on Friday night. Uh, You're so Hollywood these days, John. <laughs> well, so I mean, I'm Hollywood. not that Hollywood if I'm talking about how much I'm drinking before, uh, <laughs> before live television. Yeah, but you're talking to Ox about your DJing, so that is pretty Hollywood. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> I've got a breakfast meeting with a certain Mr. Walsh, oh. which is worrying me a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. I'm not seeing much of a meeting going on. <laughs> or a breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> spoons. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's, it's get out and enjoy tomorrow night, isn't it, Hogan? You know, there'll be people kind of listening all around the world and I hope, you know, it, it, it doesn't clash with work too much for them because, for, you know, for if, you, if you're in America or whatever, people might have to nip out early. But it's but it's enjoying, isn't it? The new season's here. There's optimism. You know, there's there's... 100 odd points available and, and as Chris says you've got to try and get as many of them as you can yeah and I mean watching the charity shield last week just whetted your appetite to it and all the results didn't go the way we wanted and know everyone playing down whether we, we cared about the competition or whatever but you know just after that game everyone you know, or I was anyway just looking at that team and going this is something I want to watch this season you can see they're ready to go again you can see they're going to compete Um and I say even even the players coming into the league as well, and the other teams, your Leicesters, your your Wolves. There's, there's loads of stuff to watch at the minute, isn't it? There's loads of things that look like they might be, you know, interesting this year. Hopefully, teams have a go a bit more this year at City, and um, yeah, I, I think you know Friday night start. I'm not normally one for the the whole moving fixtures around and all that, but it just it just feels like a good one, doesn't it? <laughs> so yeah, no. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. You looking forward to the season generally, guys? I mean, just everyone. Is there anything you, you you're looking forward to seeing? Is there anything you expecting? Any any kind of teams that you think will surprise people? Anyone? I think I think Leicester. I'm looking forward to seeing them. I think they. You look at ones you could potentially gate crash that top six, and I think I think they're they're definitely one. Um, it's funny with Leicester, James, because obviously Brendan Rodgers left Celtic sort of mid-season, yeah. and he got a bit of stick for that north of the border, didn't he? But you, you sort of feel like now that he'll, he'll, he'll benefit from that time when he's having a look at the squad team, what he's got. Obviously, they've lost Harry Maguire, but they've they've invested as well. And he'll probably feel like, you know, we can use that time to really kind of hit the ground running this year. Yeah, and we, we kind of saw back in 2013-14 that, I mean, I think man management maybe let him down at times at Liverpool, but as a coach, tactically, and in terms of working day-to-day on the training ground, you know, they haven't got to worry about Europe um, so that you know that'll give him the the time to prepare. Um, so yeah, I think I think they're one that will that will do well this season. I think um, obviously Wolves have got a they've got a juggle. They've, they've got European football haven't they this time mm-hmm. around. So you wonder whether that might where it might affect their league form. And then you know out, out of the newly promoted teams, I think I think Norwich. You know, I hope they still stick to the some of the. You know, they probably can't be quite as open and entertaining as they were in the Championship, or they just get picked off, but. You know, um, they're an interesting team to watch, and you know, Villa have spent quite a lot of money, haven't they? And yeah. had a had a good go. So, um, you know, I think I worry a bit for Sheffield United. Um, you know, they they haven't gone down that route of having a real go. You know, and I think they'll probably be one of the ones to to drop back down. But I can see the other two promoted teams surviving. Some good ways there come up as well, Chris. Villa Park's always mm-hmm. a nice one. Uh, Bramall Lane is a is, is a bit old school and, and a lovely weekend in Norwich maybe as well. Yeah, I've never been to Norwich. I don't really do the aways to be honest with you. I'm completely out the loop on that. But I do try and get to Villa Park because it's only an hour, an hour and a half down the road in it. So, and it is a good away game as you say. Like, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how, how how Villa now readjust to being a Premier League team again. 
because you know if, them and Norwich feel like they, they belong in the in the Premier League. If you like, Sheffield United probably feel like that you know they're just there for a for a laugh for twelve months and let's see how we get on. You know, um, I'm looking forward to seeing Steve Bruce's interviews um, on, <laughs> on matches the day. Really, really am because he's going to be really grumpy, isn't he? <laughs> he, was, he? He was never like he he, 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 he was he was like try wasn't he? Try with it. So I'm sure he'll get his fair share of coverage if Newcastle's performances go as as predicted. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I've uh, just seen Everton have just bought uh, an Arsenal player today. It will be. Yeah. It will be, yeah. So I'm looking looking forward to see how, how long the uh, these new Everton players adapt. Um, was there a quote from the other fella today? Um, Moise Keane, did he say that um, he, he was looking for one of the bigger clubs to come in for him, but he, he likes to look at Everton as a, st- <laughs> as a stepping stone. Oh. <laughs> Didn't he also make a goal pledge that he'll, he'll seven score goal? seven goals I'm this sure season? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that was music to their ears either. Oh. The brothers of the city, so that you, know, you, you get seven goals in a fortnight for Echo FC, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> oh dear! And of course, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how the Perps get on in the uh, in the Evo stick as well, aren't they? So, Have they gone up? Yeah, they got they won the league last year, City Liverpool. So I, I, I'm a Perp as well as a, I'm a Red. So that's where I'll be splitting my time when Liverpool are away from home. I think. Yeah, well, good luck to uh, City of Liverpool, of course, in, in a new division, see, see how they get on. Um, I mean, Paula, to, to finish up, anything that you're sort of looking forward to, to seeing this season or, or are you just looking forward to, to watching these red men? That, but I really, really hope some of the youngsters get some time because I, I really do feel that if we don't give some of them time to shine, I think it will really look bad for for new people coming in. So I was thinking about this. I know it's not an exact like for like, but if we swapped Phil Foden and Rian Brewster, would Brewster get more time? I know he's been injured, but would Brewster get more time at City? And I'm my gut feeling tells me yes. So I'm just hoping that we, we, we have a good run in the Cups to the point where we we get to the point where some of the younger players are given some time, trusted to hold hold their own in with the more mature players and drive it forward. That's what I'm really looking forward to. I want to see that. I want to see the new generation starting to come in now. Yeah. I want to see Brewster. I want to see the youngsters. And I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see Lalana help us on whenever he, he's selected and I really want to see the Ox do well and, and get over his injuries and give that promise that he showed just before he got that horrible injury at Roma I'd like to win the FA Cup I think Paul uh, I was all in on the checker trade but we got beat by all them last night so, uh, <laughs> I was gutted about the checker trade how does that work is it just away games yeah, it, yeah. It? it's three away games in the group and then um, and then if you get through that we're just looking a bit dodgy at the moment because obviously we've lost our first game then then I don't know what happens after why that why did we get three away games is that the look of the draw no I think that's a it's a, it's a, it's a oh, real, it's yeah, it's yeah. weighted in the lower it's, it's, the idea is also to give them the chance to get bigger gates because they've got Premier yeah, League teams coming to town. Coming and, yeah. 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 I'm not sure that worked out last night necessarily. No, no, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, well, you went with though, didn't you? It was good. Did you go with Keeney? Yeah, no, I went with Mike Keeney. Two superstars yeah. there. I know, I There's know. There's the yeah. draw. <laughs> yeah, well, Mike was fuming because Harley, Harvey Elliott Stadler on to me. And ignored Mike, so Mike yeah. wasn't, wasn't best pleased about yeah. that. Like, um, but but yeah, no, it was it was good fun last night. And I thought I thought I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about that, James, before we finish actually, because I thought although the result was disappointing, 
I felt like from what I've watched twenty threes games, they probably got more from last night than they would from two three under twenty threes games. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, a year ago Liverpool didn't enter the competition because I think they were quite sceptical about it and thought, oh, "What's the point?" You know, young players, you know, get big senior pros from League One, League Two teams knocking lumps out of them, and it was it seemed like a lot of like a hassle for three. What's it like to be three extra games? But I think a lot of the feedback when they spoke to other Category One academies was that actually they found it really beneficial and um you know because we talk a lot don't we about the academy system being you know they're too pampered and playing on perfect pitches all the time and there's no tackling or anything and so this is like you know i think last night was was great for those players i mean yeah. neil critchley afterwards you were there as well he was gutted because it was really harsh on that, that young liverpool team because they you know they should have they created more than enough chances to win that game. Gave away three really poor goals. I mean, yeah. two from set pieces, which wasn't a great surprise when you looked at the size of <laughs> some of those olden players. And you know, some of the Liverpool players would needed a step ladder to try and <laughs> challenge for headers with some of them. But you know, and the other goal was a, a really sloppy bit of defending. So he was he was gutted afterwards. But I think when he reflects on it, I mean, I thought Harvey Elliott. You know, he, first time I'd seen him in yeah. the flesh because I wasn't at Murrayfield or over in Geneva and. Um, he's he's a special talent. Him, you can see, you know why. His touch is unreal, oh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just the way he took his goal. I mean, he was so nonchalant. One, I think a lot of players would have would have just snatched at that. But you know, the composure and uh, and poised to to just wait for the keeper to commit and then just dink it in. And I thought he was at the heart of uh, a lot of the stuff that was best about Liverpool. And on the other side as well, I think Curtis Jones. You know, we haven't mentioned him. I think. You know, he could be a, a player that um, that, we, that we see a bit more of this season. I think he's, he finished last season strongly. He certainly looks like he spent a lot of time in the gym this summer. He's, you know, he looks a lot bigger and stronger. Um, and you know, he, he played really, really well at Oldham as well. And uh, you know, obviously we talk about Trent. You know, then how, how everyone you know identifies with him, with him being a local lad, and you know the amazing achievements he's had. And you know, that's that's the challenge for Curtis Jones now, isn't it? To you know, to try and follow in. In his, his footsteps, so um, yeah, frustrating for that young Liverpool team. But you know, they, it wasn't it wasn't a bad night by any of the stretch of the imagination, and, and they've got two more good tests to come in that competition at least. Did the Larouche play last night? Uh, he did, yeah, Larouche, yeah, Larouche. yeah, yeah. Which you know, in itself, <clears throat> I, so I he, think he recovered from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a shocker, wasn't it? He yeah. suffered in. Uh, was in Boston, wasn't it, on the tour? Yeah, and you, yeah. you thought then we might not see him for a few months. But, but he liked, I liked the look of him with Sammy. I went to Sammy the other week and he looked really sharp and really uh, attacking-minded. Yeah, well, so, he, he's, he's won the academy staff. I've got so, big hopes for him. I mean, they, they kind of transformed him last season from this from this winger into a into an attacking left-back and yeah. worked a lot on the defensive side of his game. And um, you know, I'm sure that, that is part of the reason why Klopp hasn't gone and got a Moreno replacement. Yeah. Definitely. This summer, because again, you talk about the, the trying to make sure the pathway is not blocked for kids, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Larucci. It looks like he's got some of the same attributes as Andy Robertson. Yeah, 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 and he's he's strong and athletic. Yeah, gets up and down the pitch well, and yeah. and maybe we'll see him in the League Cup tie. He might play on Friday, man. I gave uh, Ed Robertson a bit of stick, didn't he? On the We'll see. Bit of bonus check of chat for you there. What more could you want from the weekend? They're listening, enjoy Norwich City wherever you're watching it and make sure you're up to reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.